The grown-ups are speaking. The grown-ups are speaking. The grown-ups are speaking. The grown-ups are speaking. Trying to show you that we matter. I'm speaking now. We not grown-ups, but we blessings. Let me tell you how. Cause every day we beat the odds because our work is found. A safe space for the kids to lay their thoughts down. Shush, I'm speaking now. Determination mixed with growth got the plan sprouting. All the seeds every day, Lauren talked about it. And everything is everything, so let's talk about it. I'm Jackie. Hey, my name is Robert. Hi, my name is Ace. Hey guys, I'm Lily. Hi, my name is BJ. Hey guys, I'm HP. Hello everyone, my name is Johnny. Hey y'all, I'm Isaac. Everything is everything, so let's talk about it. Hello everyone and welcome so to The Grown Ups Are Speaking. Joining us today is Dr. Tasha Brown. Dr. Brown is a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of New York, parent consultant and speaker who specializes in providing clinical care to children, adolescents, and young adults. She provides a wide variety of evidence-based clinical services and is passionate about helping the individuals she works with function adequately at home, school, and in their communities. Dr. Brown prides herself in being able to provide client-centered care with a strength-based approach. Dr. Brown, we welcome you to our podcast and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Getting into our conversation, we'll start with um, a conversation on social media, but just with some statistics. The three most popular social media platforms among teens, according to the Pew Research Center, are YouTube, used by 85% of teens, Instagram, used by 72% of teens, and Snapchat, used by 69% of teens. For many teens across the nation, social media is a seemingly inescapable factor of life, and even though it can be used as a very positive outlet, it can also have an abundance of negative impacts on its young users. The Pew Research Center's 2018 survey of United States teens determined that one in six teenagers have experienced at least one of six different forms of abusive behavior online, such as name calling, which was 42%, spreading false rumors at 32%, receiving unsolicited explicit images at 25%, having their activities and whereabouts tracked by someone other than a parent, 21%, someone making physical threats, 16%, having explicit images of them shared without their consent, 7%. Mm -hmm. The survey also found that 90% of teens believe that, uh, that online harassment is a problem for people their age, and 63% found it as a major problem. So I ask you all, what do you all feel about social media and what have your experiences been and like how has that impacted y'all's mental health? That's such a great question. I would love to hear what you guys experience have been with that. So um, personally, I did not get social media until I was uh, an older teenager and I first started on Snapchat and then I was allowed another one a year later and so on to the point where I can pretty much, you know, be on whatever I want. And um, I think it's been a positive experience for me personally. Um, it's definitely allowed me to meet friends that I wouldn't have met 
um, before that are awesome people. And I've been lucky enough to uh, keep myself on the good side of the internet, I like to think. Um, everyone has their brush with people who <laughs> are inappropriate or are rude. But um, generally, it's been a really good thing for me. And I really like the way that I use social media in my life. I think it's a good effect on my mental health, personally. How do you use it? Um, I mostly use it to consume content that I think makes me happy. Like, uh, like it talks about YouTube um, videos and stuff like that that entertain me and make me happy. And to talk to my friends, um, both the in-person ones and ones that I've met solely online and haven't met in person. Okay. Um, but are fantastic people. Um, and so that, that just makes me happy. I, I tend to stay away from uh, toxicity and negative things that kind of go on and try to really hard. Uh, as long as you're making an effort to make it have a positive impact on you rather than a negative one, I think that it's a good thing for teenagers personally. Yeah, I think you brought up a really important point that I always bring up when I'm talking to teenagers about just using social media is really asking yourself, like, what are you trying to get out of this experience? Because people use social media for different things. Some people use it to promote their business. Some people use it to look at the thing that they want to wear next week. Some people use it to uh, follow their friends because they moved. So asking yourself, like, why am I using social media? So that way, and, and not to say you're only going to ever use it for that thing, but that way, when you start feeling yourself doing and using it in so many different ways, that reason can be a little check for you. Like, mm, this is way ahead of, or this is not in line with why I chose to use this platform or why I'm on this platform. And sometimes that could be a check. So asking yourself, like, why am I on Snapchat? Why am I on Instagram? What am I doing on YouTube right now? Um, and helping that guide your your usage. Yeah, definitely. I really like that. And I think that that's definitely something that not a lot of people do. I think that some people do, but not a lot of people do. And they, it's really easy to just get caught up in the internet. And, yeah. and because you can make it a more preferential life to the one that you currently live. You, you can appear completely different and you can consume content that makes you think completely differently, you know, and, and it's important to think about how is it helping you versus how is it just hurting you, I think. Yeah, I definitely feel that with um, like making sure that you're using social media to like do something positive because I've used a lot of social media or just in general, like the internet a lot, like um, since I was kind of small because I've always been into like um, playing games, like video games and stuff with my friends. And um, recently actually like last week or something, like I, I felt like really just bad about myself for a little while. Um, because outside of because of COVID, outside of video games, I don't have um, there's not a, other like competitive outlets um, for me to you know partake in. Because previous um, previous to COVID, I had been on a swim team. I'd um, been this is kind of a weird thing, but I'd been um, fencing um, cool. huh? super competitively for a while, and like I need that like um, competition because I find that um, that's what satisfies me is like like as mean as it sounds like beating other people, like being good at something. And like, I've always liked school for that reason because it's like competitive, you're against your peers and stuff. Um, and so I was kind of missing that and I was playing a bunch of video games and I'm not great at video games. I just like to play them. And I, I think I was just feeling really like down because I, I was like getting beat over and over again. And so I took like a, a week break just cause I was like, okay, this is just like 
frustrating me. And I came back and it not only have I been like doing better in games and stuff, but I've also felt a lot better about like myself and stuff and just kind of been happier in general. And so I kind of feel like that's a a big a big deal is like making sure that you're using social media and the internet to because I'd always like play with my friends and talk to other people online and making sure that stays like a positive thing I think is important yeah I 100% agree with you you said so much that I kind of want to talk about number one I love that you recognize like okay this is not feeling good for me right now so I need to take a couple of steps back and take a break from social media Um, for a little bit and playing these games. I literally was having this conversation about competition and uh, COVID like taking away the competition with one of the um, clients that I work with. So similarly, he's really into sports and because of COVID, he hasn't been able to do any of his sports and that competition feeling that he looks for and the thing that kind of keeps him going and keeps his mood up um, is not there anymore. And I think for a lot of us there, if we think about COVID, we think about being home or away from our friends and family or away from the things that we used to do, there are so many things that we just don't get anymore that probably used to fuel us. And so, really thinking about what can provide, what can be a supplement. I, I don't like to talk about replacements because it's hard to replace things fully. Um, so what can be something that you do that gives you a similar feel to that? Um, and it looks like you thought about games as a way to do that. Uh, also thinking about ways that you can be competitive like against yourself. So a lot of times with like team sports, there are, um, there's other people, but maybe channeling that competitive nature into, all right, let me um, play this game. And then next time I'm going to try to beat my own score as a different way to get that. Uh, But I do love that you're brainstorming ways for you to get a similar feel from the things that are missing. And I think we all have been, if we go around, I'm pretty sure each one of us are going to have to talk about different things that we've been doing in the last year, like literally a year um, that has replaced or not replaced, like supplemented some of the things that we used to do. Um, in the future. That's a great use of social media and super insightful on kind of how and why you were using social media in the first place. Yeah, everyone, like Facebook, uh, Facebook, I clearly, Facebook was not in the top three that you mentioned. I use Facebook. (laughs) Um, But uh, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, I think really pull for comparison because people are Let me ask a question. When is the last time you went on Instagram and you were like, I'm going to put up my last five things. My next five posts are going to be about all the things that went wrong for me. Or I'm going to post the five pictures that I looked at and I was like, "Mm -mm, this is not it for me. I'm going to post those pictures. Like, when's the last time you did that? Never, because no one does that. Social media is like this beautiful highlight, very detailed very highly watched and curated feed that people are putting together and showing like the best of themselves. 
And because we're constantly seeing all these images of people like looking their best with their best things on their best days, it makes it seem like, what am I doing over here? Like, why am I not getting this? Or why don't I look like this? Or why don't I have that? And it begs for comparison. Um, and I think comparison is, an, I, we have to be honest that comparison is one of those natural human things that come up. And at the same time, we need, need to be able to check when that comparison is making us feel bad. And so is the comparison getting you to the point where you're like, mm, I don't even want to attempt this because it's not going as well as this person or feeling bad about how you look or what you've accomplished or not even being able to acknowledge the things that you've done. I'm a big fan of like unfollowing people. So if you notice that there's a website or not a website, see, I need to keep up with the, the Gen Z talk. So if you notice there's a page or someone's profile and every time you look at it, you just find yourself scrolling through and you're like, oh, like feeling you're like beating yourself up with your thoughts. That might not be a, a person or a page that you want to follow or you might need to take a break or you might need to hide them. If you don't want to unfollow them, you might need to just hide them from your feed so they don't show up. Um, and also talking to finding someone that you feel comfortable talking this through with because you might need a friend, a counselor, a teacher, a family member to kind of be the one to check you a little bit and say like, wait, you um, are doing well in your own right. There's no need for you to compare yourself to others. Although it's something that we, if we're honest, we all compare ourselves to others at, at certain points in time. Um, it's just about watching for when that comparison starts to take us over the, the edge a little bit. Yeah. And I, I really, I am a big fan of taking a look at someone's page or someone that you're following and saying, is this content that I'm seeing making me happier? Does it bring a smile to my face because I find it entertaining or does it make me upset? Do I feel nothing towards it? Do I, how is this impacting my day? Because when I go on on Instagram or something like that, I should be able to scroll through and find things that are making me happy and looking at like my pastor's children or something like that, something cute that makes me happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I like to use it for. It doesn't have to be used for that. You know, a lot of people use it for news and for having lots of conversations with people, but that's how I like to use mine. And so I am, I'm a huge fan of looking at someone's page and evaluating what is this doing for me when I look at what they do. And so I think that's really important. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I notice sometimes is that when I unfollow someone or when I block someone from showing up on my feed, I don't really miss it. Like it, there's a mud, bunch of other people there. And eventually I can't even name the people that I've blocked or said like, you know what? I don't like how it makes me feel when I see something that they put pop up. So I'm just gonna not have it there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say like, okay, I'm going to unfollow this person. And if in three days I'm like, oh, I, I missed that post. Oh, I, I wish I was still following that person. If I can remember that and think, oh, that was making me happier. I'll just go refollow them. Like, <laughs> you know, um, if it's something that actually makes an impact on me and on my day, then I think it's important to keep around. And that's kind of how I go by my social media. I've, I feel that um, like com the comparison thing that you're talking about, I like, hardly ever use Instagram for that reason because when I look at it like um you see and like I know that people are always like posting on their best days and like trying to look like 
the best people on their Instagram and stuff. But like, whenever you go on Instagram, it's like everyone seems so like perfect and fine. And it's like hard to, I don't know, it's hard to watch that, especially during COVID where like everything feels like, just feels bad, <laughs> I guess. Because uh-huh. like you see, you see your friends less and you're like, um, you know, you don't go out as much. A lot of the things that you used to like to do, like don't exist anymore. And they, I don't know, but like, I, I felt like just seeing all these people like um, going on as if like nothing has changed or like, it was kind of like rough to see. And so like, I hardly ever go on Instagram anymore just cause like, I, I didn't use it much in the first place, but like every single time I go on there, I just end up looking at like what's going on. Like people just like, I don't know, being happy, I guess. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just hard. Yeah. It's like this, it's supposed to be reality, but then is it really reality depending on how people use it? So when I was in high school, Instagram did not exist. It didn't exist when I was in college either. I think Instagram came out when I was leaving. I can't even remember, but it wasn't college. It wasn't um, high school. And when Instagram first started, people never, like, didn't post themselves. It was, like, a very, like, artsy type of place. Like, you took pictures of, like, abstract things, and that's what Instagram was. And so to kind of see the evolution over time um, of what Instagram has become and the impact, and I think of all social media, and the impact that has had on individuals' mental health, I think that... um, exactly what each one of you are speaking about of identifying what toll it takes on you and then adjusting accordingly. Because I'm pretty sure in 10 years, they're not going to be talking about Instagram. They're going to be talking about something completely different that has a very different impact. And the important messaging, no matter what it is, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, what feeling are you getting when you're consuming it? Is it a feeling that is contributing positively to your mood? So meaning that it's help making you feel good about yourself or is it contributing negatively, negatively to your mood and then adjusting accordingly? If it's negative, maybe pulling back a little bit, stopping, figuring out a different way to consume it. If it's positive, continuing what you're doing and still being aware of what is um, going on. And since you just mentioned that, that was like exactly what I was about to start talking about um, is like the skills that we learn over time um, with social media um, in order to protect ourselves and our own mental health. And I know when I went into it, I was very young, like 10 or 11 years old. So I had no idea about how, (laughs) about any of these skills that we just discussed about like how to protect yourself um, Uh from you know, impacts that can be negative towards you and your mental health and comparisons and all that. And of Uh course, now um, I have learned how to um, discern between what is and what is not for me and what um, to do with how to use social media in my life. But I think for a lot of people, it can be very, it can become very negative because they really get you at a very young age for a lot. I, at least I've seen it that they get they get you at a very young age. And it's like I've seen two year olds like in my family at least like two year olds who know how to use a phone, get into um a TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, etc. And I think it's just at that age you don't understand those boundaries. You don't understand the negative impacts of our world. So it can become a thing of 
these are just skills that you learn over time. But and then, but my question would be like to avoid that feeling of this is just an, an inescapable negative thing that I'm obsessed with and is in my daily routine. I can't get away from how it makes me feel. Like how to, how do you avoid that before getting into it? Like what would you all's advice be? I don't know when you all started social media, but what would you all's advice be to your younger self or to a young person who hasn't gone social media yet, but is thinking about it because they see everybody else doing it? Um, like, what would your advice be to help them to be able to navigate that pl- those platforms um, in order to protect themselves and their mental health? like if i'm being completely honest i had like no self-image or like care about anything that was really going on until i was like 12 or something because like i like like um i didn't like feel bad often or be like oh i don't i don't like this about myself because i just wasn't that like self-critical or anything until i was like older so have as much fun with it and still it's until you reach the age where you hate yourself and then uninstall it. I don't know. Just because I feel like um, a lot of teens struggle with like um, self-image or just like kind of in general, I've, I've always heard that like te- um, like being a teen is like rough because like you compare yourself to others and are always super self-conscious and care about what other people think. And I feel like um, I like when I was little, I like never cared what anyone else thought or like, um, and I, I didn't I didn't really care a whole lot about like how I looked or anything like that. And like that then it kind of became a problem later on. But I don't know. Just enjoy it while it's fun, I guess, would be my two cents. I would like tell my younger self not to like not to act grown almost because I know when I was little I always was like even like growing up watching Disney Channel. I like I grew up as a like a bigger kid. My family is very like southern. We got curves. We got like the you know wide hips, all that. And I grew up being a little bit bigger. And I would always try and like I was also tall, so I wore teens like clothes as a kid. And so like when you move on and you want to have all these styles that teens are wearing, like you almost look upset because you don't look like the ki- the people that you're trying to um impersonate and now that I'm older and I'm like I have more mature body and like I like the way I look more than I did back then it I feel happier that I can kind of almost fit the trends that I want to and that they're more available to me but like I feel like I almost made myself grow up too much to try and fit in with everyone on the internet as like a middle schooler but I think it depends on what kind of influence you had as well around that age my advice would be to stop caring about the followers because i don't think i really fully grasped this until about maybe freshman year of high school or so because i felt like getting on instagram and seeing these huge instagram stars or not even just instagram but vine if you remember that and um so yeah just seeing all these different huge stars on the internet and all the followers they had and all the money that they achieved from doing these videos or posts and things or just, yeah. And so I would just say, stop caring about the followers and keep that picture up that has like two likes because you know, it's what you posted, it's what you want to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I love all of those uh, tips. I would also add, place some restrictions on your time. 
Um, so now all the phones have things where you can say like after a certain amount of usage, the app will ask you you're done for the day and be done with it. So really make yourself disciplined enough to be in control of how you consume these things. So we have to, I think it's real that we get addicted to the scroll, picking up our phone. It becomes like a habit. It's In all honesty, half the time that we're picking up our phone, looking at our phone, scrolling, we're doing it like mindlessly. We're not even thinking. And so in order to get out of that or to prevent ourselves from getting there, you have to be very intentional as young as you can do this saying, okay, I am going to be disciplined in when and how I, and how long I use this for and creating limits and making sure for some people, like I know for me, if I said, all right, Tasha, you're not going to go on this after 7.45, the likelihood that I'm going to pick it up after 7.45 is really high. So what I need to do is like set a timer so that the phone makes it go off at 7.45. So like know yourself, if you can't handle taking the responsibility and doing it yourself like me, then have something automated um, and really making sure that you are being disciplined in how you consume social media or any type of media or anything. We could we can say this about so many th- different things. Be careful about how you consume or how much time you spend around certain people. Be careful about how much time you spend like doing work so you don't get so consumed in your work and miss out on the rest of the life. Uh, now is the age I think, and I talk to all my clients about this, is how can you start creating healthy habits that you yourself not your mom, not your dad, not your grandma, not your teacher, that you yourself, like when you wake up in the morning and be like, all right, I'm, I'm good with this. I'm happy that I made this habit. I'm, I'm good with this decision that I'm making and moving forward with. So that brings me to a question. Um, how do you know when social media usage or usage of anything for that matter is unhealthy? Mm-hmm. When it starts to give you anxiety around being on it, when you start to feel really down or sad, when you're getting into arguments or into situations that you typically would not have been getting into, when it's having consequences on other parts of your life, so you're not able to get work done or your grades are slipping or your friends are like, "Uh, what are you doing? We're having a conversation. Why are you looking at your phone? When it starts to interfere negatively with other aspects of your life, that's always a sign for me that's like, all right, maybe I should think about other ways for me to consume this or make some changes. Especially we know that when you were reading the statistics earlier, and I can think about just over the years, people that I've worked with, we know that social media is very often related to some very scary things in terms of mental health outcomes. So people are having suicidal ideation, committing suicide, running away from home, getting involved in complete different groups of friends. Like there's so many negative impacts if not used correctly. So the moment you start to feel yourself making negative decisions or this is impacting your life in a way that you wouldn't want to or other people are like, hey, like what's up? Like what's going on? Those are all red flags um, and should be kind of warning signs. So I have a question. With all of those like red flags that you just mentioned, um, I know we we're talking about social media, but would you also um, relate those as red flags that one should have 
to know that they should see a therapist um, for their mental health or more so how will how would one know that they need to go see a therapist yeah I love that question so I think everyone could benefit from like a, a therapist I think if we're talking about clinical, so if there's something clinically going on where you need support because your mental health is a concern, I always like to think about it as functionally impairing. And this is what we, I like to teach people this because this is how if someone comes to my office, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, are they functionally impaired? Um, But we don't really broadcast this to people that this is what we're looking for. But I think that everyone should kind of have an understanding of what this means so that you can start to point it out in yourself or with others. So functionally impaired means is whatever it is that's going on with my mental health significantly interfering with my everyday life. So am I so anxious that I can't sit down and get my work done? or I am avoiding going out into public, or I'm like biting my nails down to the point where they're bleeding, or I'm not eating. It's getting in the way of your everyday functioning. Am I so sad that I have been in bed for the last three days, or I'm missing my classes, or I just stopped doing everything that I like to do, or I'm not eating, or I'm losing weight or gaining weight at a rapid amount. And I know that it's connected to this. Am I so angry that I'm cursing everybody out and my family and friends are like, what's, what's, well, yo, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? And now I'm losing friends and no one wants to talk to me. The question of, is this significantly impairing? And if the answer is yes, to me, that's always a yes, you need support immediately. Also, there might be times when you're starting to notice, you might not be at that moment where you're fully impaired there might be warning signs that you're getting to that point. And so the earlier, the better that you can say like, you know what, I might not be in bed for three days, but I'm noticing that it's harder every single morning for me to wake up. That also might be a sign that, okay, let me get in now so I can get some support before it turns into I'm in bed for the whole week. Um, And then also there's also major changes, going to college, parents separating, um, a death in the family. There's all these these major things that happen in life, a traumatic event, um, a a huge fight with a a friend or with a a huge fight with a a friend or with a partner. Those major life things, they might not cause significant impairment, but they might be enough for you to say like, I need to go and talk to someone about this to kind of hash this out with like a neutral third or second party. So in relation to all this, I just kind of want to broadly ask everyone, do you find it acceptable to talk with therapists and or school counselors? Yeah, so um, I personally had like a very normal, happy, good childhood for a long time. And then school started to get in the way of my mental health and started stressing out. And uh, I all, you know, started spiraling a bit and it wasn't great for a long time. Um, and it took a lot for me to talk to anyone about it because I thought I was just like not handling it well. You know, everyone goes through, um, you know, ups and downs in school and school gets harder. And I thought I just wasn't handling it well, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, I eventually did figure out how to tell my mother, like, Hey, I think I need help with this because it's not affecting me well. And I am happy that I did. So I obviously everything's not perfect and I still have a lot of struggles. Um, 
but I do think that it should be a much more acceptable than it is. And it should not have stressed me out so much and given me so much anxiety to the point where I, I didn't talk to my mother about it for like a year that I was having problems and recognized that I was having problems uh, for people to talk to their parents or a school counselor or something like that, that frustrates me um, because it's, it's, you know, you're seen as weak and that's what my own brain was telling me too, is that I was weak for, you know, not being able to handle all of it. And so I just think in general, people talking about it more, people sharing their experiences more, you know, obviously without getting too specific or uncomfortable for them um, is really important and would have helped me so much and can hopefully help someone else because no one should feel stressed out thinking that they're crazy, which only makes them more stressed out. And then on top of it, they have like five homework assignments to do and no one knows that they're stressed out. You know, like it's just not a good time. High school already sucks. You know, it just makes everything worse, I think. I would I add, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Ace, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go. Last time I went, you go this time. All right. Um, I would just add that I think in terms of like school counselors, um, there's been several times in my life where I've had like student peers who were dealing with um, home environments that were not mentally um, healthy for them, but there was a stigma around, you know, asking for help. And many were also afraid of what happens after. So like, and that's kind of sort of specific to those who are dealing with stuff at home. Um, of course, you can't, as a child, you can't choose, you know, what family you're born into, what environment you live in. So it kind of, I think that's something that could feel like you're just stuck there and there's nothing that anyone can do or what anything that you can do to get you out of that situation. And so, you know, they would, I, I know that they would communicate with those around them like their friends but in terms of actually like seeking somebody who was a professional um in that field of mental health and knew the information that they needed to know and in, in order to um protect themselves mentally there was just um a fear you know that they had of going to like a school counselor or a therapist um because of stigmas for one and then also because they felt that what happens when I tell somebody this, you know, because I feel like they're stuck in this position. So I think I don't, it's hard. I feel like it's hard for me to explain, but because I felt like they're stuck in the position that they were in mentally, that they didn't know what would happen. They're afraid of not knowing, I think, um, what would happen after they let it out, after they actually told somebody who could do something. So I think that would be something that I've, I, I've experienced through others. Yeah, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of stigma around mental health. There's a lot of concerns that people have. Like, what does it mean to share this with someone? I think there's a lot of things that we can do. For those of us who have experience with therapists or with counselors and they've been positive, I think we have to feel or start to feel comfortable talking about it and sharing it and, and talking about the benefits that it's had on us. I think with the great thing with your generation is that I think the conversation around therapy and treatment is much more open. The fact that you have me on here and you're talking about this um, is much more open than even people my age. I think you're already at a great start as a generation and making the way that we end stigma is we talk about it. Everything is everything, so let's talk about it. So 
and, and we let people know that it's okay. It's okay to share. We're vulnerable when we talk with each other and you make suggestions to your friend. Like sometimes I, your friend can't help you with everything. So I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of saying to your friend, like, hey, um, you know, you can come to me whenever you want to talk about this. However, um, or and I also think it'd be really great if you talk to someone else about this. And I'm only telling you this not because I think you're crazy or not because I'm tired of hearing you, but because I really want you to get the support that you need. If we normalize saying things like that, if we normalize talking about our experiences with therapy and treatment and broadcasting on social media that we are, hey, I have my therapy appointment right now, um, it's going to do wonders for uh, the stigma that thank thankfully is decreasing, um, but it will continue to do wonders for that stigma. Yeah. And I, I even like struggled telling my friends, like I would be like, oh, I'm going to an appointment. Mm-hmm. Like that would be what I would say rather than like, oh, I'm going to therapy. Like I struggled telling my best friends, hey, I'm going to therapy. And when they found out and I like, they were like, what appointment is it? And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a therapy appointment, <laughs> you know? And they were like, oh, that's cool. How's it going? And I was like, oh. You're like, wait. Okay. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about it when I'm done. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was it was great, you know, and that was really fun to experience, especially since none of them go to therapy uh, to see that so normalized, even outside of people that were struggling with it. it was really cool. Not like weirdo. Like, what do you <laughs> what, what, what's wrong with you? Not like that, you know, and um, one so. day, one of your friends might be considering therapy and they might be apprehensive and they might think back to that very conversation and be like, oh, well, Lily, where is she? So she liked it. So let me at least try. You yeah. never know. I always like to tell people we are quick to go to the doctor if our allergies are acting up or if we have a headache for too long or if our stomach is hurting. Everyone's like, here, take this Advil, go to the doctor, do this, do this. It's the same thing with our mental health. And when we notice that there's something wrong, we need to get professional help. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean you're lacking. It doesn't mean you're not smart. It means you're strong. It means you're brave. It means you recognize that there is space for you to grow and change. And when you get the support and help that you need for yourself, I like to think of it as a trickle effect. Then you're better at school. Then you're better with your friends and you're better with your family. Then your goals get met in different ways. And that pays off for years and years and years. And I always like to take it to the next level and say that pays off for generations and generations and generations. Um, oh yeah, I agree with that one. Be the change makers when it comes to talking about the importance of taking care of your mental health. I think that is probably one of the most, and I'm biased because I'm a psychologist, but I think that would be one of the most beautiful things that you can do as a generation. Trying to show you that we matter. I'm speaking now. We not grown us, but we blessings. Let me tell you how. Because every day we beat the odds because our work is found. What do you do, like, if your parents are like, no, you don't need a therapist? Because I think sometimes, like, parents like to overlook the fact that we are stressed as well. So when you're like, oh, I'm stressed, they're like, what are you stressed about? Like, what could you possibly? I love that question. I I would go a couple of different ways. I'm going to start with the low stake ways and then I'm going to like take it up a notch. 
Number one, I have so many parents who call me and they're like, okay, I don't think my child needs therapy, but they've been asking for the last six months and I'm just going to give in. So ask and ask and ask and come with your reasons. Now that you know about this functional impairment, say, listen, before I was able, I was getting these grades and now I'm getting these grades. And I think it's because I'm sad and anxious. And if I don't get help, this is what I think is going to continue to have it. Like make it super plain for them and be persistent. Go to your school counselor or a school guidance counselor, they can provide some amount of support for you. It might vary by state, but they can provide a certain amount of support for you without your parents knowing for a certain amount of sessions. Also, if you go to a mental health care provider and it's an emergency, so if you feel like you are in danger, you're going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt somebody, and you go to a mental health professional and you tell them that, they are obligated to see you. So if asking doesn't help, maybe talking to another adult in your life, a teacher that can approach your parent or a family member who is cool with your parent that you like, you know what, auntie, if you talk to her, then maybe she'll say, okay, uh, maybe doing that. Um, being persistent about it, not dropping it. Um, because your parents grew up in a generation where we're not about to go to therapy and sit down and tell someone our business, like what? Um, so that's where they're coming from for context. And so just like you want to be the change maker in your generation, think about how you can do that for your parents too. Being persistent and being specific. Sometimes you might not want them all up in your business and knowing everything, and that's understandable, but you might want to give some context. So you might not be like, well, I want to go because me and my friend had this, you don't need to tell them the full details, but you need to tell them something sometimes so that they understand like the gravity of it. And if that doesn't work, take it up a next level, bring another adult. If that doesn't work, tell your counselor, I know that I'm probably mandated by law to get some sessions here. So I want them. If that doesn't work, take it up a next level. I've had people like, cold call like teenagers call me and I'm like does your, does your mom know you're calling like how did you get my number you can do that and your parents will recognize how serious that is for you send them articles and being very clear in your communication and understanding that you're changing their mindset also I while I like agree with you and this might be different for everyone else I know that with every story I've heard from my school counselor, I have never heard one positive thing coming from her office. Every time people go to her for problems or even like scheduling conflicts, every interaction they've had is negative. And a lot of times it's parents get contacted and the kid just ends up getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know plenty of like friends who that's happened with. And I know even at other schools, that's how it's happened. Because they only care about like grades at this point because they want to make the school look good because that's what my school runs off of is grades. As long as your grades are okay, you're okay. Mm-hmm. So I know that might, it might be okay for most places. I know at my school, it's very much your grades are okay. You're a star athlete. I don't see anything wrong with you. Go on though and you two can talk. Yeah. Every adult is not a good adult. Every adult is not a trusted adult. And if you notice that there is someone that you're going to or your group of friends is going to and it's not working, this is just not a person you should go to. And I would even take it up another level and voice your concerns if there's anyone that you feel comfortable voicing your concerns to. So if there's a group of parents or if there is a principal or someone else, a teacher that's trusted, like voicing those concerns, especially if it's an adult who's supposed to be providing 
a protected space for you. And you're old enough and smart enough and mature enough. I think sometimes we, and I mean we as older people, and I can't believe I'm calling myself an older person, but (laughs) we like to say like, what do they know? Like you, you are smart and mature and you know yourself. And so by the time you, I think there's always a point where you know what you need, you know what works for you and be confident in that um, and be assertive with that. And don't let people tell you that you aren't able to advocate for yourself or, or make you feel like you shouldn't be advocating for yourself. So if there are those situations where just things are not working for you, then making sure that you're finding something that does work for you and feeling that you can do that because you can. Well, right before we close out, Dr. Brown, we'd like to ask you, is there any other advice that you would like teens to know? Number one, thanks for having me. I feel like this was like great. What is my biggest advice? Uh, I'm trying to think what's been coming up lately in my sessions. I think I, I love the way this conversation went because it hit on the fact that sometimes we all need support and we can't do everything by ourselves. And there are just so many, there are some things that is just too much and too hard, too tense, too stressful for us to, to deal with on our own. And we need support. So my biggest piece of advice is create a life for yourself and the people around you where it's okay to reach out to other people for support whether that be a family member, a friend, a professional, whether it mean you create communities and spaces like this, making sure that you are carrying that idea of I am not an island. I need people. I need a community moving that forward because we learned in the past year um, that the security of community can be taken away from us in a minute. And and we sometimes we have to be strategic about finding that out. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Um, And believe in yourself and not believe in yourself, like believe in yourself, you can get good grades, believe in yourself, you could do whatever, but believe in yourself that you can make decisions about you and for you, even at this age, even if other people are telling you that you shouldn't be doing that, believe that you can make those decisions for yourself. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown, for joining us today and helping educate us and enhance our discussion surrounding mental health. Um, we appreciate the work that you're doing. Maybe we'll talk again. Yeah, so, we will. Okay. Um, thank you to you all listening to our podcast, where the young people are speaking to. Everything is what everything, so let's talk about it. We have to go so let's talk about it, and everything is everything. <laughs> hey, what do we know? We're not grown-ups, but we can talk about it. You know a lot. <laughs> Thank you. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. If you or someone you know are faced with a mental health crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is one 800 273 82 Dr. Brown and the Lyrical Vision Scholars want to make sure that you know help is just a phone call away. That number again, 1-800-273-8255.